Hey guys, welcome to Clark Talks, the Colombian's podcast where we bring you the stories and views behind the news. I'm Katie Gillespie. And I'm Damian Pizzanti. So we are changing things up a little bit here at Clark Talks. We're going to be trying a couple of new things here over the next couple of weeks. Um, Starting today, uh, if you've noticed our end segments, we usually end with a little story or we try to end on kind of a lighter note. Or spend Um, seven weeks talking to you about beer and nothing but beer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Was was it that long? No, it was like three. It was a lot of episodes. I I think it might have been four. But that's an aside. Anyway. The reality is, is when we've been trying to figure out like katie said having to figure out every week how to bring you a good ender and i mean well i think we've had some good ones some have been better than others and they haven't been super consistent yeah but we're changing it up bringing on uh, a new partner in crime to help us make this podcast even better and we think it's going to be something you're going to like a lot yeah so ashley swanson who is a news coordinator here at the columbian and also our calendar guru um is going to come on every week and talk a little bit about what kinds of events are coming up in clark county uh what kinds of things you should be looking to do uh we'll talk a little bit about things going on in portland every once in a while we mm-hmm. did today but mm-hmm. just things that'll keep your weekend busy and yeah it's not going to you... be everything that's happening in clark county because we would be here all day you it's... could however buy a friday newspaper to see that you could or you could go online to our calendar section and see what's going on and we talk about all that and more at the end of the show yeah ashley's going to bring you the highlights and she's going to bring the events that she thinks uh would be worth going to and you know based on just the list we talked about today i mean really the interests are across the board so stay tuned you're gonna you're gonna hear more of that coming up but anyway aside from that we got a few good things coming up in today's show yeah, our main our main story for today, we sit down with Peggy Sheehan, who works at the city of Vancouver, to discuss a proposed new day center for the homeless uh, here in town near the uh, currently existing Share Building and Lincoln Center uh, apartments. Um, essentially, the the uh, gist here is that it's a, a building that'll provide some services during the day for Vancouver's rising homeless population. So right, it's a place for them to get cleaned up and a place for them to to even connect to resources, you know, if that's like, from what it sounds like, some like counseling if they need it, or even like housing options. Job resources, work on a resume, yeah. all kinds of things. Yeah, so. and you know, at the very least, give these people a place to go during the day rather than having to just kind of wander around in the downtown core. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, but we're going to start our podcast talking to Kay Richardson, who mm-hmm. is another news coordinator here at the Columbian, and she's going to talk about the uh, working in Clark County feature that she puts together every week, looking at some people with neat or unique jobs here in Vancouver and Clark County. So yeah, stay tuned. Well, now we're sitting down with Kay Richardson, uh, one of the news coordinators here at the Columbian, and she writes uh, what I think is a pretty interesting, I don't know if I want to call it a column or call it a series, but a regular feature of the paper that um, I'm sure you guys have ran across that's called Working in Clark County. Is that right? Working Mm -hmm. in Clark County? And... um, yeah, so I think it's a great like slice. I, I think it's a great slice of life way to sort of uh, get a behind the scenes view of you know all those different jobs that we know that are out there, but you never really fully understand how somebody winds up doing whatever that job is. So how do you come across those? Sometimes people write or call me with suggestions. Those are my favorite ways of getting <laughs> stories. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I just have to go out and look around and dig things up off the internet and sometimes I see people out and about and I go I wonder how they got that job and I start talking to them and 
and that's how I get them. But and it's all types of work, right? It's office jobs, yeah, yeah. business owners. Okay. Yeah, I kind of try to look for kind of offbeat things that you know not. It, it, let's just say this: it's not a a real photo opportunity just to shoot somebody sitting at a desk. <laughs> so if they have an intriguing story, it's one thing. But yeah, you know, I, I like to look for really interesting unusual jobs Mm -hmm. i think it's i don't know about you guys but getting photos for a lot of my stories is a pretty big challenge because like there's so much you know so many of my articles i'm writing about it's like somebody who sits behind a desk and thinks all day yeah and so it's like to try to capture that visually can be a real struggle i'm sure Mm -hmm. like you probably run across that a lot as well yeah i do so uh give us some highlights what have been your favorite working in clark county pieces my very favorite story was Chris Simons up at I Love I Like Comics, his the store up in uh, Uptown Village. Awesome. He has an an awesome story. He uh, he was in management at a large corporation who decided to go overseas, and so he was laid off after some time being in management and. This was during the Great Recession, so he was really struggling to find work. And he had a young family. And one night he found himself in a pizza place, which caters to children. I won't say which. (laughs) And he had a, a... application in his hand for an assistant management position. And he walked in and he looked around and he just went, I can't do this. (laughs) And so he turned around and he went home and started looking through Craigslist and he stumbled upon an ad for someone who was selling comic books. Well, he used to love comics. And so he thought, maybe I could roll those around and make a profit. So he bought them with his last unemployment check. And he turned those around, made a profit, and he just kept doing it and kept doing it. And then he opened his own store. And he's real successful. Shoot, he's putting his kid through college and, and he goes on trips to Europe. And That's amazing. <laughs> so it's, that's my favorite story. That's and a he, really good one. Uh, Troy did a story up there at his shop a couple months ago, and he's still saying, you know, I'm waiting for somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say, you're a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really be doing this. <laughs> That's hilarious. Because he enjoys his job so much. I think my favorite one that you've done so far was the knife sharpener. Oh, yeah? The guy who, what was, if you help refresh my memory if I'm not remembering this right, but he didn't even know half of his customers because they would just like stick them in like a knife deposit box. Yeah, And he, he would pull a... them out, sharpen them, and just stick them back in there later on. He calls himself the patron saint of knives. <laughs> his name is Elliot Smith, and he has a... A, a locker, he yeah. has a locker system on his front porch where people deposit their knives, and he sharpens them, puts them back, and they go get them and leave their money. So, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. Cool. <laughs> that is, and just like the guys, um, I can't recall any lines specifically, but you did a great job writing it, and just the guy's philosophy with um, his whole approach to his craft and the work that he does, and even like his thoughts about how people were going to use those knives later. I just thought it was like so interesting. Mm-hmm. I love stories mm-hmm. where you can get inside somebody's head a little bit. Well, you just never know. You, you, people have such interesting stories behind what they do. Is there any, so of all the job stories that you've told already, are there any that you have yet to tell that you want to tell? I've always wanted to interview 
a card dealer. I've always wanted to interview one of those guys that operates one of those huge giant cranes. But I found out la uh, a couple weeks ago that most of those people are from out of town. And I only interview people who work in Clark County. So, um, I don't know. There's lots of interesting jobs out there, but uh, I've only cracked the surface. Mm -hmm. And I'm always on the lookout for them, so I hope your listener will contact me <laughs> if they know someone who has a really neat story. You heard it, you guys. If you have a cool job or an interesting job, and you know, or you know somebody that does, let us know. We will definitely tell that story. And how can people? Uh, how can people reach out to UK and share? Uh, they could email me at k dot richardson at columbian dot com, or they can call me seven three five four five five zero Monday through Friday. Thanks for coming on and talking to us. Yeah. I really hope that who's ever listening to this sends you an email with why you need to tell their story because I'm yeah. sure there's some good ones. Yeah, mm -hmm. do write me. Okay, thanks. Thank you. All right, so we are sitting down with Peggy Sheehan, who is the community and development. Make sure I get this right. The community and development, economic ec development. community and economic development program manager Correct. at the city of Vancouver. So Correct. cool, and she is here today to talk to us um, a little bit about the new day center, the proposed day center that the city of Vancouver is looking to build for our homeless population here in Vancouver. So thanks for thanks for being here. Great, thank you. So talk to us a little bit about what the city is proposing um, and what what it's what this day center is going to look like. What What is a day center? Let's start with that. So a day center is a place where folks that are homeless can come and hang out during the day. They can receive services. Um, they can receive they have a place to charge their cell phones, have a place to make phone calls, maybe even do some resumes. Um, we had hope. A, a vision of a day center would include showers, restrooms, um, and a place to do laundry. So how new of an idea is this, or how often is it used? Because as I hear you, the, the, uh, I think the idea of a day center is really interesting because, you know, of course, there's like homeless shelters out there where somebody can go overnight, but they usually have to be out first thing in the morning. And I think in a lot of communities around the country, if not something like the YMCA, then like certainly the library is a place that I think has historically been kind of the place where the homeless have gone, uh, you know, during the day. So it seems like something like this would um, you know really fill that gap so yeah is this a new is this a new concept where does this come from actually not day centers have been around for a long time there's one in um, Eugene has a great a great model so does Seattle um, Portland has a myriad of different services and, and they do have a place are you familiar with the Bud Clark Center it's over by the train station mm, and vaguely and they have a shelter and a day center in their in on their bottom floor so it's pretty it's useful it's a place just like what you were saying when you're in a shelter a lot of times you have to be out during the day or they encourage you to be out during the day especially for an emergency shelter um, so this would be a place for folks to go during that day try and hook again hook up with services we anticipate having um, mental health services available, possibly some visiting nurses, um, the visiting lawyer program. We mm -hmm. that we anticipate trying to be a full service 
day center for folks. Is there already a place like this in Vancouver, or is this the first of its kind? There is a current place that's similar in Vancouver. It's located over at the Friends of the Carpenter over on 20th and Simpson. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been there for about a year. Well, it was, it's a little over a year. And the city of Vancouver has developed a snapshot that we talk about the numbers of people that have come there for the past year. We've had almost We've had over 900 folks that went there in the first 11 months, and that's 900 individuals. So some people might have come every day, average about 40 to 45 folks a day that go there. During this inclement weather that we had, they were used the day center as a place for folks to sleep overnight just during oh, wow. really, really cold days. So the the paperwork that on this new proposed day center um, describes that uh, describes that one over at the Friends of the Carpenter Warehouse as a temporary day center. I guess I didn't, I wasn't, was that always intended to be temporary or did that change as, as things went on with that shelter or center or? We, we went into it at not really knowing if folks would come. So we... Sort of a pilot. A pilot, right. That's what, what we at the city called it was a pilot. And um, we knew that it was about, it's what, almost a mile from Cher. And we know that that's where a lot of the folks come for their meals and stuff. We deliberately said we're not going to recreate Cher. We're not going to create another commercial kitchen. Wanted to make sure that it was an, it, it was an additional service, not recreating something we're already doing. Um, and we had, we put it together, the Friends of the Carpenter offered that we could use part of their warehouse, so we put it together quickly. We did do our due diligence about, we knew that we could hook up to the sewer. We knew we could, we had bus service there, so we did all of that work. In order to provide things like showers, laundry services. Showers and laundry services. And when we first started, we knew that we didn't have showers there yet, and we um, rented porta potties. So we have porta potties outside for folks and no showers. Um, talk to us about some of the challenges that you guys have had in that space. It's a small space. It's only a thousand feet. Um, so they, the biggest challenge has been what we don't provide because there's no space in that current warehouse for private rooms currently we're working on maybe having a couple um, and so things like private spaces for like a counselor or no private something. space okay. for counselors no places no the bathrooms are all outside showers are um, non-existent um, it people have to walk a ways and then they have to had to they there was only an easement to that property and the person in the that own the warehouse there's two warehouses on either side and both those warehouses since the day center was sited their services increased so their amount of truck traffic increased so it created a problem for folks that were walking and and the easement that issue is why is part of why the showers never happened out there right? correct okay yeah. okay so some land issues that made that yeah. not ideal well not only that but when Ctran did that really big service overhaul friends of the carpenter and just that whole area became really underserved by buses right correct if I remember right and I'm just struggling to remember but I think it's something like a mile and a half away from the nearest bus route I, I'm not sure it's quite that far no, so it's, it's on half fourth a mile. Lane. it's a half a mile so there it's people would have to go right 
people walk from Share House along Mill Plain mm -hmm. over to the Friends of the Carpenter on 20th. Mm -hmm. So now what they have, if they want to ride a it's bus, they take the bus from Share House, we'll say, and go sure. over to Fourth Plain and then mm -hmm. walk up Simpson to... Gotcha. So it takes a longer period of time. It and, does. And Ctran did. They did an analysis, and you know they had they had the numbers to support canceling that route. So that made perfect sense. It's just such a, it's a small population, and those folks don't always ride the bus. But I I would also say it's a small population that becomes disproportionately affected exactly. by the lack of yeah. so. Yeah. Well. Tell us about this new location and when uh, the possibility of it may be opening is. Great. So the city of Vancouver f looked at the current day center and realized it wasn't really, there, we, we had to do something. There's no showers, bathrooms are outside, small space. <clears throat> we needed to figure out a better way for folks to receive services. <clears throat> so the Van we talked to the Vancouver Housing Authority. They have space in front of Lincoln Place across from Share House. And that's where currently a lot of folks are camped out and people that receive services through Share go to Share, then they camp outside. So they And that's and I'm sorry, the Link Lincoln Place, that, those are the the apartments, correct? Is, for yes. the transitional apartments. Cool. Well, okay. They're permanent they're permanent housing okay. for folks that um, it's called the housing first model. So they're they're for folks that come right off the street and move into housing. They might have mental health problems, drug and alcohol problems, different things like that. Cool. Mm -hmm. So getting everything kind of in the same the, the, that's a way to look at it. Mm -hmm. So um, and the way, the, so it would be a better facility. Um, there would be lots of windows so people have eyes on the outside. Right now, the warehouse, there's only one window and it's kind of hard to see where what's going on um, in the outside area. Um, there'd be, there's just gonna be a couple treatment rooms available. We're going to have, of course, showers, bathrooms, laundry, which will be a big help to that population. Mm -hmm. How has the neighborhood responded to this idea? Well, we haven't. The, the neighborhood, just this week, we're meeting with the neighborhoods. I it see. was scheduled two weeks ago, but then we had the snow and that sort that of thing. That put a lot of things on hold, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, but we had already, the city had already gone in and applied for the, through the permitting process. Mm -hmm. We're going to be meeting with the neighborhoods, and through the permitting process, folks will still have the opportunity to... Um, say they don't they like it or they don't like it sure and even go to a public hearing if if, if they, they decide be. they don't like it gotcha so with a facility like this what is the goal here i mean obviously i think the overarching one is give these poor people a place to go during the day but uh what is the like uh, next level of yeah what's mm -hmm. the next level advantage that comes to these guys well we the hope is that when we have a place for people to go during the daytime, they can hook up with counselors, they could hook up with a housing provider to actually determine that they can move into housing. Um, right now, we don't even have that option for folks. They don't have, they, the opportunity for any counseling is so minimal at the date, current day center that people don't have an opportunity even to find out about housing programs if there are any. Okay, and then mm -hmm. as you are aware, the city, the city residents 
passed Proposition 1, which is an affordable housing fund. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be able to have increased vouchers, work with landlords. So we might have an opportunity for folks to find housing that didn't that don't have housing currently. Interesting. So the funding that came out of Proposition 1, is that what is going to support this building? Or is it a whole different pile of money? A whole different, uh, well, it's not a pile. It's too sure. small. <laughs> but it's a whole different pot of uh-huh. money. So what we're looking at is the um, city council two years ago said we could use a portion of the community development block grant funds for a day center. So we will we didn't spend it all on this site, on the current site at the Friends of the Carpenter. So we would use that money along with we the share has asked for a applied for a grant through the Department of Commerce hmm. for some construction dollars. And then the operating dollars we're still trying to secure and we're looking at working with the with Clark County to designate some of the deed recording fees that would be used for the operations. Mm. So the deed recording fee, just like I said, it's a fee on deeds that are recorded through the county and they collect the money and a portion of it is used to fund homeless services. I see here uh, the budget estimates are $800,000 for construction and 300000 for annual staff operations. Yes. Cool. What does a facility like this need to be successful? So they need staffing, mm-hmm. um, showers, um, restrooms, just like what we're talking about. And they also need it also needs to be welcoming. This facility that we're looking at is going to be much more welcoming. It'll be... Um, warmer there'll be lots of different services available people will be not only will the folks that need the service be there but there'll be people that want to provide services it's going to be located across from share and next to lincoln place where there is a lot more staff available so you would be able to have an opportunity maybe not only to meet with a um outreach homeless outreach worker but maybe somebody from the medical we have visiting nurses at share we have mental health services at Lincoln Place so it's a way to combine all of that one thing we did do when we put the original day center together Mm -hmm. is we did do a questionnaire with folks that were homeless and we um, interviewed over 100 folks that were homeless and got what they thought they would need to in order to come to the day center mm-hmm. and we have they gave us a whole list mm-hmm. and we even though we weren't able to provide everything and we don't have showers right no laundry service service they still come mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. well i think there's something to be said like we were talking about earlier just having a place to go yeah. Right. And there's a lot of folks that hang out at the library if you guys ever go there. Yeah. You know that. yeah. A lot of folks hang out there. Like this is a fairly interesting approach, putting this, a center like this, so close to the urban urban core. It, it's very courageous. Um, but the, the folks are already there. So um, I don't know if you guys know where the Share Fromhold Center is. It's out at Timberlanes on the old Timberlane bowling alley on Andreessen. Mm-hmm. Okay out by the Les Schwab there and mm-hmm. across yep. from Winco. And when they first opened, it's been about probably three years, they had had allowed or offered to have folks that were homeless come there during the day. They didn't, 
they had bathrooms. You didn't have showers, but they had bathrooms and services and that sort of thing, and nobody would come because it was so, you know, they got a little bit of folks coming mm-hmm. from the east side of town. Right. Um, and some folks, but the, still the major, the major number of folks is in the west side downtown. So, and that, that's always interesting to see if you moved your services, would people still come downtown? And they're different communities have tried it um, sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but for the most part there is always still a population of folks that don't have a place to live that are in the downtown area really just trying to meet people where they're where they are then mm-hmm. is the idea here mm-hmm. yes good uh, all right thanks so much peggy great well thank you mm-hmm. all right so now we're sitting down with ashley swanson who is the another news coordinator here at the columbian um, but is uh, largely responsible for the calendars that we bring you every week of events and uh, things going on so thanks for thanks for sitting down with us Ashley yeah no problem so we are hoping to make this kind of a weekly feature um, talking about what's coming up in Clark County over the weekend and what events you should hit and because who wants to drive to Portland when you have so much stuff going on on this side of the river so yeah, and frankly, Katie, I think if we're being honest with ourselves, or at least we've been honest with ourselves already, but if we're going to be honest with the listeners, our closers have been a little bit better than others and sometimes worse than others. But I'm really excited for this because I think this is going to be a great, consistent way to show people that there's a lot of cool stuff to do in Clark County and in Vancouver if you just know how to look and where to look. And so now if you listen to this podcast and you're bored on the weekends, you have nobody to blame but yourself because Ashley here is going to tell you all the cool things you can go do. Hi, thanks for coming on. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what you think is coming up this weekend. What caught your eye? Oh, there's tons of interesting things. Wait, before we jump into that, how do you come across all these, all the events that are happening? How did you become the calendar guru? Ooh, uh, so that's an interesting question. Um, Basically, I was hired more than five years ago for the Colombian to create the weekend section, which comes out every Friday. And that was print only. You just hoped people would send you calendar press releases and that was it. And then everything started changing. Facebook got really popular. People were posting events there. There's Twitter. There's um, all, especially in the last about three years, there's so many um, community events that just sprung up of people being like, oh, we don't really want to go across the bridge, but we still want to do something cool. Kind of ties into the, the breweries. Uh, there's lots of art groups. Um, and so there's been this kind of building energy of, of things that people want to do in Vancouver, in Clark County. And so I basically have to stalk people and find out all the information about their <laughs> events because it's scattered all over the place. Um, sometimes they're nice enough to email me about it and be like, hey, we're doing this cool thing. Other times it's it's a, just a Facebook event post um, buried in a Facebook group. Sometimes it's just random things on Twitter. I'm like, oh, that sounds interesting. Where's that happening? And, and finding stuff about that. I stock a lot of um, city websites of their event calendars and community calendars and things. So, I think that's been really a double-edged sword of like social media is that you can post stuff immediately. Like if you have an event going on, you can post it right away and it's free to post and you can promote it all you want. But, you know, the only people that are going to this isn't always true, but um, you're really reliant on the people within your network to help distribute that information. No, that's very true. Um, so it's trying to kind of weasel my way into all those networks like very subtly. Um, and basically, I've tried to make in the past kind of two years an online calendar 
that's on our website that try to compiles all this different information. It's a great idea. Yeah. So if people want to find out what's happening in Vancouver on the weekend or if they're just looking for a support community group, it's all there online. Mm-hmm. At least that's what we're tro- hoping. That's that's the hope. So true or false? There's nothing to do in Vancouver on the weekends. False. False? Mm-hmm. Like really false or a little bit false? Pretty false. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. So what's coming up this weekend? Uh, well, starting on Thursday is the uh, Clark uh Jazz Fest. The Clark College hosts um, an annual jazz festival for high school and middle school kids who practice really hard, and it's kind of like their big game day. Um, so a lot of uh, ensembles from Oregon and Washington will gather at Clark College and perform and kind of try to be the best that they can be uh, for three days. And it's been going on for 55 years, so it's a pretty great local event. Um, I hung out with the Battleground Jazz Band uh, to to do a story about that, and they're really good. They're really, really good. So, and they're playing on Saturday at eight thirty. So, and mm-hmm. it's there's concerts all weekends. So. Oh yeah, it's from like eight a.m. to like nine p.m. at night. Like this is devotion. I would not get up at eight eight p.m. eight a.m. to play a trumpet. Um, <laughs> as a parent I don't know if I'd want my kid to be up at 8am playing the trumpet <laughs> but what's great is if you love music like you get to see a lot of really young talent you get to like kind of discover how much you recognize of jazz music because a lot of people don't realize how much jazz music's been like played in movies and tv shows and they're like oh that sounds familiar it's only five dollars to get in and if you just want to see like the super highlights um, all the finals uh, begin at 7pm so if you show up then it's like all, all from all the preliminary rounds it's the best of those so great what else um there is the venisborg seed swap Ooh. so yeah the party of the century the <laughs> seed swap <laughs> well it is really fun because venisborg is this little area um outside battleground that was um basically founded by immigrants from i believe finland or norway one of those countries And so there's a historic schoolhouse that a community group has tried to save. And so they do community events up there, including a seed swap. So if you have a bunch of seeds left over from last year's garden, or you are just a great gardener and want to start planting your garden this year for spring, you go there, you swap seeds, you bring some food for potluck, you bring some food donations for the North County Food Bank. And it's pretty nice. It's uh, from one to four on Sunday. Ooh, it's Swedish, actually. According ah. to according to uh, Wikipedia, it is Swedish. <laughs> Thank you, Wikipedia. So thanks, Wikipedia. Um, there's also uh, two comedy shows this weekend. So Magenta Theater in downtown Vancouver does a um, improv. They have an improv uh, ensemble, and they'll perform with like audience suggestions. But because of the snow, they're combining their, they had to move their improv um, show to this weekend, and they're combining it with their storytelling event, The Edge. So you'll oh, have cool. storytellers telling about all their friendships, that's the theme this month, the followed by um, improv comedy. And then up in Ridgefield on Saturday as well, um, Don Frost, who's kind of a national comedian, is bringing some local comedians and um, Lonnie Brune, I think that's how you say his last name, to the um, Old Liberty Theater in Ridgefield, and they're going to give a good comedy show. So, And I think that's only $10. Um, what else is going on? Oh, yeah, there's the, the Race for Warmth, too, on Sunday. So what's been interesting with the weather <laughs> is there's been so many 
events moved around, canceled, rescheduled. And so we were supposed to already have two races this January, but because of the snow, they had to be canceled or moved. Yeah, you can't run when there's two inches of ice on the road. No. That's not going to happen. No. So Race for Warmth will actually be the first race in Vancouver this year. Um, and it's great because it um, all the funds go to Clark Public Utilities and their program, op- um, Operation Warm Heart. And that goes to families who are low income and can't necessarily afford to pay their electric bills, and it helps them with that. So especially during these cold, cold, cold days, it helps out, and you get to run along the waterfront. Have, if, uh, if you haven't signed up for that yet, can you sign up day of? You can sign up day of. Cool. And there's a free kids race, too. So if you just want to like send the kids out to, to run for Get some hearts. energy out. Yeah. 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 Um, and then what's always interesting with, with weekend events is it's kind of this balancing act because there are a lot of interesting things happening in Clark County, but sometimes people do want to go across the river. And there are a ton of people from Vancouver and Clark County who participate in Portland events. They just don't get the name recognition because, you know, it's usually like your neighbor Susie and she's doing a cool festival thing, but you don't find out until she's showing you pictures on Facebook. But a lot of people over in Portland who are doing cool things, they also live in Vancouver. So it's this interesting mishmash. And it's always, when I'm looking for events, I'm always keeping my mind, well, would I drive across the river to go do that? So the bigger, funner, more interesting events I kind of keep track of. So, like, for example, (laughs) there's a, a train show this weekend. Now, that sounds really boring to, to certain subsets, but, like, for little kids who, that sounds delightful. who love trains, it's great for families to take them to, like, the great train show and, like, four- and five-year-olds are just mesmerized by all these, like, model trains going around the tracks and stuff. So, like, uh, when I was still at the Chronicle, I had to – one of my weekend stories that I had to go cover was, like, a train show that was happening in Lewis County. And I was so jaded walking in there and just did not want to do that story. But once I saw like the level of detail that these people put into these model train sets that are freaking enormous, I was totally impressed. Like I, that is a subculture that um, I am not a part of and don't fully understand, but like, damn, those guys can put some cool work into a train. Like I would go to this one that you brought up just to see the figure or the models. Yeah. And it's at the Portland Expo Center. So it's right across the river. Easy jump. Um, and I think it's free for kids as well. Uh, another cool one is happening at the Portland State University campus. It's called uh, Mochisuki, which is a Japanese um, Lunar New Year's tradition of making mochi, from which is a kind of a rice paste. Um, and so they pound it out with giant hammers. Um, but so it's basically a Japanese celebration um, at the Portland State campus. And what's really fun to me is they say um, admission is free for three and under, or 88 and older. So, <laughs> so they're honoring both the youngest and the oldest generations, which is pretty cool. But there'll be tons of like Japanese um, drumming and performances and martial arts and uh, crafts. So if you ever wanted to learn how to flower arrange or do some cooking or even try on some kimono, it's all going to happen there on Sunday. We should totally send Andy there so he can learn about his bonsai tree a little bit more. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
These sound great. Uh, anybody listening to this Thursday night or Friday will have no excuse to sit around their houses and be bored because you just gave, there is more things to do on that list uh, than I think any one person could do on an entire weekend. It's true. And it's always fascinating to see kind of the trends of what pops up in events in, in Clark County. Um, and always, I really enjoy the the weird subculture events too. Like we had the pigeon show a couple weekends ago. Oh, I was really disappointed I missed that. Mm-hmm. A few years ago, we had um, the National Salt Shakers Convention. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no, it was great. So it was people who really enjoy novelty salt shakers. Not pepper shakers, but just like salt and pepper shakers. But they had to be novelty. They couldn't be fancy. They had to be like Bugs Bunny or like mm. like weird shaped like Wyoming salt shakers like themed. And then people dressed up in costumes based on salt shakers. Whoa. Yeah. I definitely would have gone to that. Cause uh, yeah. I like uh, in another life I did a ton of ceramics <laughs> and salt and pepper shakers were like those are a thing that everybody in that field appreciates because the, I mean, the possibilities are endless with what you can do with that design. Mm-hmm. Uh, another fun one that uh, usually that has appeared the past couple of years is TikiCon. So there's a subsection of people who really enjoy like the 50s um, weird culture mashup of like surfer music and then like Hawaiian music, like Polynesian music. And so and then tiki bars. So people dress up in like 50s Hawaiian shirts. They go to the few remaining tiki bars in Portland or around or in people's basements because people build these out. And it's just like a celebration of that time and era. Hmm. Cool. That sounds awesome. <laughs> well, I think this is going to be a be a cool weekly uh, weekly section for people. Then, mm-hmm. especially as we get into the start getting into the spring and summer when things pick up here. So yeah, and if if anyone's ever curious, um, if you just go to Columbian.com/events, there's that's the entire event calendar. You can browse it at your leisure. You can submit events because that would be great, um, and find something fun to do this weekend. Cool. Thanks, Ashley. Thank you. Well, that's another episode. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I never thought I would be happier to see like low f- low 50s, high 40s with lots of clouds and lots of rain. I have enjoyed this weather so much after that winter burp that we had that was so weird (laughs) yeah it was really weird so i have i'm not trying to like do any shameless self-promotion or anything like that but i had a story that came out on tuesday that i actually thought was pretty interesting just because i'm kind of a nerd was the one about the snowpack yeah it's just it's fascinating to me that we got a foot of snow in the lowest elevations but like up in the mountains like my first thought was like oh my god there's gonna be 30 extra feet of snow (laughs) after the snowstorm blows over but no there was like not a drop it didn't it didn't snow once really during that week of cold why is we that? got dumped on. Why is that? Well, I to tell you the truth, like I don't have the answers okay. for it, but I'm sure it has a lot to do with like atmospheric conditions and like inversion and like clouds just being like the temperature is suppressing the clouds into the low elevations uh-huh. and being so moisture laden. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of explanations. Okay. But yeah, that to me was just it was just fascinating. Yeah, it's a little it seems like a little um counterintuitive. It, it was for me, because yeah, like I said, you know, I would expect we get a foot down here, you get three up in the hills. But yeah, no, no, that wasn't the case. Uh, that seed swap that Ashley talked about, I love a seed swap. I That just makes me happy. You don't even have a garden, do well, you? Yeah, we do. Oh, you have a garden? Yeah, yeah oh. I don't do much in it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm into it, too. Even just... 
I think even if I like I don't garden anymore. I used to, but I don't have a yard. But um, damn it, I just appreciate that things like that exist. Yeah, that should. Yeah, that really should be how it goes. Uh, when when Justin and I lived in um, our apartment uh, in East Vancouver, I tried to grow a tomato plant on our back porch, and the gal at the nursery told me to to feed it fertilizer. Um, I think like every week she told me like it was all crazy so much it was so much and I I was a little like oh I don't know about this but she said I'll do it so I'll do it our tomato plant grew to be about eight feet tall and we didn't get a single tomato oh really it just like grew and grew and grew and grew and grew like it didn't know when to stop because it was just getting so much nitrogen that it was just it just grew forever there's a tomato plants are kind of crazy growing tomatoes and getting a lot of tomatoes out of your plant is a it's like the dark art it's like being a it's like making wine as far in like the vegetable world you know what i'm saying i i thought tomatoes are usually pretty easy uh like to grow the plant yes but in order to get like a bunch of tomatoes on your plant that is a whole different issue entirely Hmm. yeah there is i guarantee you there there is uh, there are people out there listening to this right now that are like nodding their head in agreement because they have the secret to getting like 37 tomatoes <laughs> on there. Uh, zucchini plants, on the other hand, need no extra love. Oh, God. You also no. only need, uh, thing I learned last year, you only need like one zucchini plant for a family of four like there's yeah. no reason to have four zucchini plants for a family of four mm-hmm. and also once your zucchinis get larger than like four inches they're not good anymore they're not delicious at that point you're using them for bread they're just water they're just there for water yeah so yeah god i miss the days of having a garden but yeah so it goes yeah so all right well have a have a good weekend guys and we will see you here same time same place next week you can subscribe to subscribe to clark talks on itunes soundclouds or stitcher this podcast is also posted on the columbians website every thursday Mm -hmm. so tell your friends tell your mom spread the word I just want to throw out there as well, if you guys think there's anything particularly interesting going on in Clark County or Vancouver that we haven't talked about, but you want to hear more of, let us know. I would love to get some good ideas on issues we should cover. We feel like we have a pretty good roster of ideas ourselves that we're going to be uh, putting forth in the next few weeks, but I'm always open to suggestions. Yep. So get in touch. 